Hello and welcome to the Diabolical Film Show, a podcast about old films, new films and the people who make them. My name is Ash and with me I've got my old mate Richie. Hello old mate Richie. No, you're old mate Richie. I am old. Well, I'm old. You clearly. Clearly, <laughs> you I don't, don't know who the fuck I'm talking to now. <laughs> Are you literally just talking into a mirror right now? Is that I what you do? I fucking hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost all my hair if I am. <sighs> So, welcome back to part two of our Indiana Jones Marathon. Yeah. We spoke about Raiders, Temple of Doom. We had to do the music at some point, didn't we? And the last crusade in our previous podcast. Now we're picking up with the best of the series, Kingdom of the... Was that the rest? Not the best, was it? That was the rest of the series. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. And we're going to give a review, our review, our thoughts on Dial of Destiny as well, which seem to contradict everybody else's thoughts. But we'll get to that. Let's not jump ahead. So let's start with um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And it was a bit of a wait, wasn't it, between this and The Last Crusade? Because they pretty much finished The Last Crusade with that shot of them riding yep. off into pretty the sunset. Much, yep. Yep, it was a long wait, uh, not long enough. Um, we could have done with waiting a little bit longer. Um, 2008, 1989 to 2008, what's that? Is that 19 uh, years? 19 something like years. Something yeah. like that, off the top of my head. Well, th- see, the thing is, it didn't do badly at the at the box office, though. Even with all the hate, it didn't do badly at the box office. I mean, mm. it brought in $790 million on a 185 uh, yeah. million budget, which now, is pretty fucking good. Going to be down to... Um, Second highest grossing movie in 2008. Nostalgia, isn't it? That's that's where I live. Nostalgia. You do live down nostalgia lane, don't you? And that's where all that money came from. And it'll be all the, the mums and dads saying to the kids, come on, little Johnny, little June, let's go and watch... <laughs> This because it's really good. The really good films back in back in the day. Mm. Well, the thing is with with King. Well, let, let's let's talk talk what it's about essentially. So Lucas and Spielberg, when they first started off with Raiders, they were signed up for a five movie deal. They did. They did. So they, they did, did start off with a five movie yeah. deal, and then decided partway along the way that oh we've had enough after after Crusade. But the fans, the fan, there was a calling. When are you going to do the next indie film? When are you going to do the next yeah, indie film? And he sometimes- bowed down. He bowed down to. Peer pressure. What you've got to do, it's the Jeff Goldblum, the Jeff Goldblum thing. Go on. What he says in Jurassic Park, just because they could, doesn't mean to say that they should. They should just let it go. I thought you were going to go, ooh, ah. And then he's running and screaming. <laughs> no, 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 from, no, no. From the, from the theatres, as it turned no, <laughs> the no, 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 no. no, out. Just because they could, they didn't stop to think, should they? Should they do it? And I think they just got greedy. The story... Well, Harrison Ford's quite fond of Indiana Jones. He's fond of the character, and he was he was keen to possibly re- re- redo another one, and that and that's why they jumped. I mean, they did jump into the fifties this time. They kept it kind of age appropriate because he has aged obviously. And when he did yeah. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, he was sixty five. So I mean, even at that age, we were thinking, oh, he's a little bit too. I mean, we just got Dial of Destiny, but at that point, we were thinking we're a little bit too old. He did pretty well. He well, did a lot of the actually. He did do yeah, a lot of his own stunts because- in the film. The um, the safety features around stunts now is a lot better than what it was back in the day. And so it's more safer. 
so he, he could do, you know, the, the bigger stunts. And he keeps himself fit and in shape. He's a very he? fit bloke. He's, he's, so, even fit. he's fit in the Dial of Destiny. My God, yeah. he's, he's a very fit guy. So that that will help. Yes, that, that, that will help. I mean, so let's, let's talk about Crystal Skull then. With the other films, Lucas based them around the serials, the, you know, the early 20s serials, the radio dramas and all that sort of stuff. That, the Flash Gordons and all that yeah. sort of serial that used to be. But this one, he's moved forward more into the kind of B-movie realm, didn't he? With the- well, it's, it's the UFO. Well. In the 50s, it was the Roswell UFO-y sci-fi kind of a yeah arena, wasn't and then it? you then you had the rise of communist or the the fear of the red and the, the communist the threat yeah and all that sort of crap so but so the interwove all of that in i mean i think lucas wanted to do an out and out sci-fi um kind of saucer men from mars kind of thing and that, mm-hmm. i think that was actually one of the titles at one point indiana jones <laughs> and the saucer men from mars believe it or not Take that to the bank. Again, the steady hand of Steven Spielberg came round <laughs> to steady the boat. George, mate. Come on, George. Sit no, down. Let's, let's move it away from that. Have a tootsie that. roll. Just <laughs> calm down, mate. Calm down. But they they did they they, they went they went for the fifties and like I say it Harrison had aged with with the with the role as well and he moved it into the B the B movie kind of genre where they, they steered it slightly away from saucer men they weren't quite saucer men they were interdimensional beings that's it isn't it it's it they're not aliens it's not a flying saucer it's an interdimensional vehicle they just look like aliens it's with a, a flying saucer. <laughs> It's oh, I, don't, I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> it's one of those that went through a number, a number of different screenwriters. Never a good sign. So the story idea came up from saying up from George Lucas. I mean, even M Night Shyamalan Malamalam um, had a, had a go at it, mm. and even Frank Darabond had a script. He, I think he put two scripts in actually, Frank Darabond, but it actually fell to David Keop in the end, who did who's he's done some. He's still some big he films. He has. He has. has he has. Uh, Jurassic Park, the first Mission Impossible. Still the best. Which is, you know... I mean, uh, that, and that's saying something, because the others are pretty fucking good. Not number two. Number two, shite. A favourite of mine, Stir of Echoes. I do like that film. Do Kevin you? Bacon. I do. Bit of bacon. Bit of bacon. You like a 60, bit of bacon. In the, uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Love there you go. I love it. And uh, the original outing of the new versions of Spider-Man, the 2002 Spider-Man. Yeah. He did that. Yeah, that wasn't terrible. The Shadow. Like, Shadow was okay. I like The Shadow. And Dark Angel. Oh, I love a bit of Dark Angel. Yeah, Dark Angel was good, yeah. Dark Angel wasn't too bad at the time. Andron. We come in peace. <laughs> so, yeah, so they moved to the 50s. Um, Indiana Jones is still working uh, tenure. Um, unfortunately, at this point, Damon Elliott had died, so Brody doesn't appear. Well, he does appear. He does appear in this, actually. Yeah, as a bronze bust. There's a bronze bust and a painting on the wall, actually. Mm-hmm. When he, when um, his replacement, essentially, is um, Jim Broadbent. He plays the dean of, of the college U- or the university. university, which was filmed at Yale. Incidentally, um, this, this is the first Indiana Jones film as well that wasn't filmed in England. It was, it was, um, or primarily filmed in England. It, and it, it shows moved it to- because it's rubbish. <laughs> That's not the reason. <laughs> but I don't think it, I don't think it's totally rubbish. I mean, I've rewatched this recently, and I don't think it's as bad as people remember it being. I think the problem it has. It has some really bad bits in it, but the bits around those bad bits are pretty good, if I'm honest. And that's and and that's me saying that I really disliked it when it first came out. So let, let's talk let's talk about what the actual, what actually goes on in the film then. So it starts off now. This again, 
it's been 19 years before we've seen Harrison Ford with the fedora mm. and whip again. And I thought the introduction of him was really good in this. I really liked this. It comes down to Spielberg's genius. I must admit, yeah. You don't know, well, they look like American troopers. In the, well, in they the are, yeah. Of, well, it is, yeah. They're driving down the road in, in a com- in convoy. In a convoy, in Fort Hunter, in, in some trucks. And they get into uh, an and airbase. It's in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of the desert, yeah. In America. In America. They aren't who they who you think they are. No, I mean they drive. We can we can spoil this mm. one because it's been out for fucking ages. Um, they 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 get they pull up to the pull up to the main gate of this area in the middle of nowhere, which you don't know what it is. You assume it's Area Fifty One, but you don't know. They, and they and they never say that either. No, in fact, it isn't. As when when you find out, you assume that initially. But anyway, so they pull up to this area and then they gun down all the guards on the area because there's something. There's a there's a. They, I think they say there's a um a exercise going down or something, but and they're not allowed to enter no matter who they are. But they gun them all down. They get into the base. They pull up outside this warehouse and they open the boot of one of the cars. And out, out they drag Ray Winston <laughs> in all his glory. But there's the somebody daddy. else. The daddy. The daddy. <laughs> but there, there's somebody else in the boot. They pull him out. Now, you don't see this guy. You know who he is. But you, you, you pull him out, and you see him from behind, and you kind of throw him to the ground, and the hat gets thrown next to him. And as he stands up, pick, sweeps the hat up in his hand. Again, you don't see it. And then the, the camera, this, again, the genius. I'm going to want to talk about the genius of Spielberg later. The genius is the camera pans round. And you, don't, you don't see him put the hat on, but you see the shadow put the hat on. And that's the first mm. reintroduction. And then the camera swings round, and you get him full in the face. And it's Russians. That's, I think that's the first line out. And it's, that's your reintroduction to Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones after 19 years of waiting. That scene, I think this scene is great. I think the the leading, the the gunning down of the guards, the the reintroduction to Harrison Ford, and they're, they're outside this warehouse. Yeah, it's like yeah, a big warehouse. Isn't it's it? a big warehouse, and then you open it up, and it's full of boxes. Full of boxes, and you you don't really well. When I saw this, I didn't really make that. I thought, oh, well, boxes, and there's a lot of uh, hilarity ensuing. Yeah, there's a big action sequence. The big inside, action sequence and- inside. They've got these metal balls, haven't they? Yeah, so what you th- when you realise it's... Because there's a stab of music as well. There's the arc theme plays in the background. And just to remind you, just to forget yeah. for those like Richie who didn't fucking realise, it's that. Like, it oh is that warehouse that we see at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. They've took mm. them to it. Now, you assume initially, well, I certainly did, they were looking for the ark. But they're not. But they're not, no. They open, they're, they're finding something else which is highly magnetic. Well, they, they take apart some ball bearings, they take apart some shotgun, the MTA grenade as well, so it's, it's all of the kind of gunpowder. They throw the gunpowder in the air and it goes flying around. Now, that's a bit, mm, you know, they're, they're following the gunpowder and it, it, it gets drawn towards because it's so magnetic. And when they open it up, it's essentially a decaying body which looks like a... Well, it, you don't see it fully, but it looks like an alien, essentially. Mm. So, But initially, you think it's, it's the Ark. But as everything... Now, Ray Winston is Indiana Jones' sidekick, technically, in this. <laughs> until he, he betrays him. Ah, uh, yeah, but is he a double, triple, or a quadruple agent? No, he's just a he, he just He flim-flams more times than a flopping fish. Yeah, but the thing is, mate, in this, he betrays him about four times. Yeah. And there is no reason... 
to betray him at certain points of the film. And I think Ray Winston's character in this is badly written. Badly written. The dialogue, some of his dialogue is awful. And it's not Ray Winston's delivery. It's just fucking awful. Who'd be responsible for that then? Oh, Jeff Nathanson. He did the story. He did speak too. Yeah, the the basic story would have come from Jeff Nathanson (laughs) and George Lucas, but the actual... you know, talky-talky bits on screen. It's David Keop uh, at the end of the day. That's his, he's, he's the main screenwriter. So, yeah, so the escape, essentially, the escape. And as the escape is, is like you said, hilarity ensues. Obviously, hilarity. he's going to escape. Yeah. The escape, and as they're leaving the warehouse, one of the crates breaks open, and there's and you, the arc. You see the arc. And then they play the theme properly, then, the, the theme from The Well of Souls. There's also in there... Uh, it's a blink and you'll miss it. Moses' staff as well. All right, okay. Yeah, there's a one of the crates breaks open and there's a staff of Moses. Oh wow, okay. No, I, I didn't, the, I didn't, I didn't see the, that. Yeah, the Ten Commandments. But the fight scene, the fight scene's really well done. Now I thought this was CG, but apparently it wasn't because I saw, I saw behind the scenes and he fucking did it. Um, there's a bit where Indy gets, gets obviously gets his whip back as well because because the, they always carry it around with them, don't they? Oh, so, but any, anyway, he has to get the whip back, but he whips the gun out of a soldier's hand and he's right at the camera the, the guns again genius of Spielberg's placement of the camera um, whips the gun out of the hand and I thought yeah it's got to be CG no it won't Harrison Ford fucking did did that and he he did a lot of the whip work that you did see in you the film know that the studio execs wanted the whip to be digital at the start of the filming wouldn't surprise me they wanted that to be digital and Harrison Ford said don't be ridiculous <laughs> Well, now again, I'm, I'm going to call out, not call out Houseful. I'm going to kind of put him to the fore again here because he's against CG. He's not against CG. He prefers everything to be there in front of him. He, f- he feels the tang- tangibility, you know, of the. Well, he's he's back in the day, isn't he? He's he's now what we call old school, even though. You know, we've been watching him since the seventies. You know, he's now of that ilk where he's the the older statesman. You know, on the cusp of blue screen, green screen, real time. You know, it's all in front of him and, and been real. Yeah, well, he prefers it to be real. Mm. He, he he thinks it's more tangible and it's for the actors and for well, the audience as well. And he can fucking handle a whip. Let's be honest, he well, can of do it. it is. I mean, if if you're running away from something and if it's actually there, yeah, you're gonna act better if if you've got to imagine. It, then what you imagine is scary is different to what I'll imagine is scary and is what different to what other people think is scary. Mm. So you're not going to get the same response, are you? But if it's no. actually there, fuck, you're all on the same page because you're all seeing the same thing. So I agree with him on that one. Well, so do I, 100%. Yeah. And this is this is why we go over practical effects over CG effects every mm. time. Or these days, I think you should have practical effects enhanced by a CG effect in some cases, depending on, what, depending on what it is. I think CG has its place and it can be used to enhance things, but I think there's nothing like actually seeing it real mm. in front of you. It's like, for example, The Thing. That's one of our favourite films, and which we'll talk about at some point, I'm sure. But The Thing was mainly practical. Well, it was all, sorry, practical effects. All practical effects. Well, it was all practical. There was, there was some optical effects, but it was all practical effects and matte paintings. But you, you will agree, and I will agree, that that fucking spider head is a bit shit. 
Now that could have been, or well, today it would it would look a lot oh, better yeah, to be fair because we got you more te- we got better technology. You but do something with that. Yes, you would enhance that. You would if it looked that bad because that's the thing that, that that's the thing that kind of lets that you think oh that looks a bit shit. But the rest of it is fucking absolute bob on. But you also so let's I don't know, we'll talk about the thing. <laughs> we're talking we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> Back uh, on that, track. That Back will take. We'll talk about the two thing movies on, on another another date. Back on track. Yeah. So the big bad in this the big bad in this is kate blanchett isn't it yeah kate blanchett plays she's chewing those syllables <laughs> with that russian accent well yeah the accent that drifts don't think it drifts i just don't it's a bit all over the place yeah i think kate blanchett is an amazing actor but i i don't think in this it works very well and i think this again comes down to the song i'm gonna blame the script now I, she was a better baddie in thor yeah she was great in thor yeah she was very good in thor although that mm. wasn't the best film but it was she was no, very good in thor yeah. she was very strong baddie in there but here i don't think she is and i think the reason is every time she's on screen all they give her is exposition fucking hell they give her fucking masses of exposition to move the plot along and i just think come on mm. come on that it's Every time she's on screen, she's giving more, 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 more about the plot. I was like, <laughs> fucking hell. Just give her something better to do. And she's very stoic in this as well. Although that, 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 that and she's got that black bob, hasn't she? And the, the black yeah. sunglasses and stuff. That, actually, that was her. That was her. She went back over some 50s school albums and she chose that look for the well, film. It, it's the callback to um, Rosie, Rosa Klebb from James Bond. The one yeah, with the yeah, that's... knife in the shit. And, just thinking on now, the I can't remember her name, her in The Incredibles, who makes the costumes. <laughs> yeah. but, that, <laughs> but she was based on her as well. That's the thing. So it all kind of comes back. It all comes back to a shit Bond villain. But, um, a shit Bond film. But, um, yeah. But there we go. So... Yeah, but they all escape, and they all escape. And the thing is, they, they end up on, on a rocket. Well, he, he ends up in the middle of the Nevada desert where they did the testing for the nuclear bomb, didn't he? Yeah. Now, again, the scene before it and the setup for it is fucking really good. And the bit where he's in the he's in the model, the model village, technically, is really good until yeah. he gets into that fridge. Now, again... Jump in the fridge. Jump in the middle of the fridge, the bomb goes off. There's a cracking scene, though. It's a cracking shot of him... And then there's some nuclear bomb goes off, the test goes off, and he, he gets thrown how many fuck a mile away or something ridiculous <laughs> in a fridge and still lives. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what 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 made me what made me wince oh, the first time dude. when I watched it the first time, I remember is that the first thing you see in this film where they were trying to keep it real is a fucking CG gopher. And these CG fucking gophers keep turning up in this foot and it ruins what is a perfectly great setup. And then he gets, the bomb goes off, he gets, he gets, the fridge gets thrown over a fucking mile away and he gets out. Okay, right. Well, he's Indiana Jones. Yeah, and he, and he did drink from the cup of Christ. Well, this is very true. So it could be a bit of residual leftover 20 years later from the cup yeah. of Christ. So he maybe is a bit more rotund, uh, robust. I mean, he got shot nine times in all of the fucking movies movies overall so he's doing something all right mm. isn't he? so he gets out but then there's a shot there's a shot of the mushroom cloud going up and indiana jones stood there with the hat and the whip and Almost, it, yeah. it looks fucking that is a fucking co- that is a desktop screensaver whatever mm. if you ever saw one it's an amazing shot yes it's cg obviously but it looks again it's spielberg's vision at that point kind of coming through but then it goes back into 50s america you go he goes back into his life um you see him at the university like i said you 
you've got um, Jim Broadbent as the as the dean of the university in this case replacing. Could have been played by anybody. It could have been. It's a blink and you miss it. He's not yeah. in much. He doesn't have any impact really. And they're gonna, they're gonna fire him because they reckon he's a he's a red menace. But then we get introduced to Shia LaBeouf as Mutt Williams. Hmm. You first see him, don't you? He's dressed up as Marlon Brando from On the Waterfront. <laughs> it is literally they've list they've got the costume out of storage, dusted it Put down. That on. Okay. Put that on. Yeah, tilt the hat. Yeah, come on, you big Harley. Yep. There you go. Now, the thing is, again, I think Shia LaBeouf is actually a good actor. And I don't think he's terrible in this. I think, I don't know, I, I, it just doesn't quite work for some reason. Well, for me, um, at one point he was everywhere and then he wasn't. Well, he had some troubles, didn't he? And he, he took himself away, essentially. And I, I must confess, I've not seen Shia LaBeouf V2. No, he's, 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 on, he's, he's on the Ascend again, isn't he? Yeah, because everyone not... rated him. Everyone rated him, and Spielberg as well, rated yeah. him at the time. that he's, he's going to be an amazing actor. And he does give a good performance. But he does. But you don't do yourself any favours when you're doing your press junkets for the film that you're promoting, and you, you slag it off, which is what he did here. Doesn't engrace yourself, you no, know what I mean? you're not going to work for a while but he was he was mm-hmm. having problems at the time. i think there's drinking drugs on it at the time i think he said and he but he, he saw sense and took himself away sorted himself sorted himself so, out and he's, he's like on the, say, i've on not the rise, seen so. his new output no so. neither have i so i can't comment on it no. but he's he's talking a lot of, i've seen a few interviews with him and he's talking a lot of sense now but what put me off him at the time was the costume choice to put him in that fucking marlon brando's costume because he just looked like a bit of a twat <laughs> and I just think you're not gonna if you're trying to introduce a character that is not the way to introduce a character that you you want to kind of yeah. like and he turns out to be Indy's son and I mean that's no fucking I mean they called him Mutt Williams I mean that again because Indiana Jones is named after Indiana he took the name of the dog is this a throwback to that is it I don't know well yeah of course it is it's not meant no one's mentioned it but surely it must be of course it for fucking God's is sake. why yeah why why because I mean, there's no surprise that Marion is here in this film again great turn by um, Karen Allen as Marion but I think again the problem problem here is the script the script doesn't know what to do with her one minute they're fighting her and harrison are fighting a bit like back in raiders a bit a bit of to and throwing and then the next minute she's all smiles mm. and lovey-dovey and then the next minute there's a bit more to in i just it's a bit black or white there's there's no there's no subtlety there's no growth of that character where in the next film we're going to talk about one of the characters there is a growth of the character the female lead in that in that film where in this one with her she's got a lot to do but i don't think it's delivered or i don't think it's directed in this case maybe mm. but you got to go with the script i don't know i think it's a script that's that's kind of leading this but there are like i say spielberg knows what he's doing he can direct an action sequence and he can put stuff together well that's it well yeah of course he can and there's a bit where the where harrison and um shia labeouf escape on a bike and you see you see them riding through the campus people jumping out left right and center and they're on that bike they are actually on the fucking bike. bike and i yeah. now yeah, i real. really watched it this time i thought is that mm. cg have they, have they kind of put it on no 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 um shia labeouf no, t- um, took a month and a half yeah, out because i think he could ride before but he hadn't ridden a big like heavy bike like a harley because it's, it's like 
it's a completely different thing especially when someone's moving around behind him as well as harrison yeah. obviously is because he's reacting to cars being chased and they did all the bike work the only time where it was you know where they strap it to an arm at the back of the, the camera car where the front wheel they, they do there is a bit of that but yeah. that's when harrison's really fucking flailing around on the back of the bike doing shit which is unsta- which is fair enough and understandable but all the other work i'm very impressed that they both stayed mm. on and did their own stuff there if i'm honest because later on there was a lot of driving later on as well where it looked like cg but i think less of it is cg than i first thought but the cg elements do look shit well it, it, it's all down to you're checking your safety now isn't it it's 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 more it's safer now mm. what we said at, at the beginning it allows them to do more whereas the first raiders fucking hell there would be no little trailer yeah. for the bike to sit on. Yeah. You know, it, that would be a stuntman, you know, be, be uh, Vic Armstrong. Harrison Ford's won awards at the Stunt Awards for the amount of stuff that he's done in the past. He's been honoured there. Mm. And there's not many people these days that you'd say that do their own stunts. I think Michelle Yeoh, I think he's one of them for, as from the field. But I mean, the famous ones, obviously, are, uh, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise and um, Keanu, I think, does a lot of his stuff as well. I think Tom Cruise does all of it, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but, yeah. yeah. I- I, I just, I don't know. There's more in this film. They did more in this film than I thought they did. Because when you watch the final cut of the film, there's a bit later on where there's a, there's a change. So we, we haven't really said what's going on. So the Russians essentially are trying to get this crystal skull because it's got telepathic powers. And the, the, the main baddie in this, played by Kate Blanchett, um, Arena Balco, yeah, she's got, she indicates that she's got mental powers and she's trying to find this skull um, and find it, take it back to El Dorado where the rest of the skulls are and then she can claim knowledge and then she'll rule the world. It's quite a fucking loose plot, to be fair. But the, the professor who went mad first looking for it is played by John Hurt. <laughs> yeah, under you, absolutely under you. You've got John Hurt there who could be again could be played by anybody could be an amazing part barely used it's it's absolute waste and absolute shame and again I, you just don't know what's left on the cutting room floor or what i really don't know but completely yeah. underused one minute he's mad next minute he's not and that's pretty much his performance but john hurt was an amazing actor no he could give you pretty much anything you want you know from being riddled with elephantitis all the way up to having an alien mm. burst out of your chest. So again, underused. Unfortunately, it's just it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a waste of a film. But the action sequences in between are, I'd say, pretty pretty good. And you've got some classic stuff in there as you'd normally do. And you know, I've, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. That drops up. Now that's that's, that's a different franchise. Who says that, it's, isn't it? No, no, it's, it's it's him. It's him in this in this one. It's Harrison I says it. it Karen, I thought it was Karen Allen who says it. Um, so yeah, so they go they go find it, and in the end, they end up in Peru, don't they? They end up in Peru looking for the crystal skull. Like it takes them back to El Dorado into this to this mythic well, this jungle. Which, to be fair, it 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 looks CG when I first it it looked back projected. Well, they they filmed it in Hawaii. They did film it on location. It so. wasn't. No. <laughs> And it, get, but it just looks fake. False. Yeah. yeah, and I think that I think this is the problem because there are some scenes in this film. Now, like I said, I think there's more good than bad, but the bad is so bad <laughs> that it outweighs mm, the good. The good. Uh, I think this is the problem you got with this film is so you have got the gophers at the beginning, you got the fridge thing, which is ridiculous, but you know it's it, a stretch. It's to a go with that. It's a fucking. It's stretch. a stretch. Come on. So that's fine. Are you going to do aliens? Oh, well. Because all the others have been kind of mystic. 
and they've been based around religion and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, e- even the Dial of Destiny, to a point, is based around that, although they do go off in fucking a tangent uh, later on. Yeah. This was a bit of a stretch when it when it comes to plot, but, like I said, we, we're going through it, and every time Kate Blanchett arrives, she's delivering, in every scene, more exposition, oh. every time she fucking appears. The, the way they brought Marion Ravenwood back into it as well was not a good... Not a good introduction because they were trying to keep it quiet, weren't they? Because the, they were, yeah. Because this was like 19 years after, and even while they were filming it, the um, this was called genre. This is what it was called yeah. on all the clapperboards. It was called genre. It wasn't called Indiana Jones. It got out. Of course, it gets out. If Steven you know. Spielberg is filming it in the middle of a fucking desert with a with a big action crew, you know pretty much what it's going to possibly be. And then they were trying to keep Marion Ravenwood quiet, but it got out, and so the reveal was ruined. Really. Um, unfortunately in that case like i said i just think i don't i don't think it's a performance because i think she's again i think she's a spirited actor and she's strong on screen but i just don't think the script gives her what she needs i think her story arc is just a bit all over the place and her the fact that she's there even there at all is doesn't really make any sense it's the nostalgia factor which has become more and more prevalent as time has got on out it where the mixing the old old characters in the new reboots. Mm. You know, it it's they've got this um this trend of doing it. And I think you can you can draw a line all the way back to here where where they started doing it. Yeah. Let's, let, let, let's get the old characters in there and you know we could do a little bit of a handover perhaps. They thought about it, getting um Sheer LeBeouf to hand over that no, that's not happening. And Harrison Ford has gone on to say when I go, Indy goes. That's well, it. yeah, the, but we've, we've heard this before. I mean, Robert Zemeckis, I think we've even said this in the podcast, Robert Zemeckis has said, you're not going to reboot Back to the Future over my dead body. Are you going to do that? But now, now they're thinking about it, and he's still around. So he said that in the past. Because you go back to Back to the Future, it's set in the 80s. It looks like it's set in the 80s. And it works perfectly well. The effects are still reasonably good. They, they're not shoddy. Um, it all stands up. And the story of all three films is incredibly strong. You know, it's a good, fun family film. Where a good, these fun family film. A good, fun family film. Where you've got your mum going after you. Yeah. <laughs> when you think a good, fun family way. film. <laughs> if you're from Norfolk or Arkansas. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah but then yeah. but then you've got i forgot you fucking you've put me off now i can't remember what i was gonna say <laughs> winning winning yeah i agree but bringing these people back just out of you know nostalgia it's, but it's- fan service as well because they're gonna introduce new a new audience i mean who knew, who knows about indiana jones we do Old, the older people know about Indiana Jones. 19 years since the last one, in this instance. Christ, let, let, let's bring out, you know. Yeah, but the thing is with these, apart from, like I say, some of the effects obviously don't always hold up these days, but the stories themselves, especially the first three, are reason the first one and the third one specifically, but even the middle ones, not I say, I've got a soft spot for the middle ones as well. It's not terrible, but it's they're, they're period pieces. They're set in a time, so they're not gonna they're not gonna date in that respect. It's like if you do a if if you do a like a tech thriller now and then you watch it in ten years time, you oh, think dated oh, to hell, fuck yeah. it, it's dated like hell. But there, these are period pieces technically, so that they shouldn't in the story and all the rest of it shouldn't really date. I don't think Raiders has. Um, the Last Crusade hasn't. 
I think some of the dialogue in in Temple has. I think it's a bit old school kind of Hollywood back in, but that. But again, mm. they're they're back in that time. They're not. They're playing characters from a time, so the dialogue is going to be different to what it is today. They're not going to be the wise cracking whip, you know, with the the Arnie the Arnie one liner put downs and all that sort of bollocks. It's not that. They're set back in 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 the. 30s, 40s, 50s, and the six uh, and the 60s. So I think you can get away with a lot more. But what you can't get away with is Shia LaBeouf swinging from tree to tree with his CGI monkey fucking pals. <laughs> that was a mistake. That's where they lost me uh, on in this film. I can even get over the fact they fall off three fucking waterfalls. But the fact that it's that CGI, that's where it really pushed it over the limit. Like I said... When it's bad, this film, it's really bad. Mm. And that is possibly the worst part of this film, where Shia LaBeouf... So essentially, the bit we've been talking about, actually, it's a big kind of car chase, classic car chase, big military vehicles, Indiana Jones, jumping from either in the jungle or the desert, depending on which film you're in, jumping from vehicle to vehicle, beating the shit out of all the baddies. That's what you want. But in this film, even though they filmed a lot of this on location, mm. it looks like that it's CG. Rear projected. It does. And I, it looks bad. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh. And, and I'm sure some shots were rear projected, but I've seen the footage that it it's not. I've seen, as you probably have as well, yeah. behind the scenes footage. And it's it was. So why is it looking so bad, mate? Why does it look like that? Yeah. But I think, I honestly think, if you see something really bad, because some shots are CGI or CG, and especially the, when Shia LaBeouf gets knocked out of the uh, of the vehicle, the duck vehicle, the, the amphibious vehicle, and he gets caught in the tree and gets hauled up in the tree in the vines and then decides to swing through the trees, <laughs> catching up with vehicles going at full pelt, <laughs> by the way, and then jump back on. Then have a sword fight. He suddenly can do yeah. sword fighting, can he? Suddenly, and you get married going, riposte, riposte, and all this. Oh, when it's bad, yeah, it's bad. But the bits in between are, are classic Indiana Jones. Your story's That's all the over the place. There's no, you've got no background to your characters. You know, there's normally there's some kind of setup. I think of Gladiator, where you've got at the start of Gladiator, before they have that big massive fight in the woods, you've got what's his Bob as the, the Emperor, Wakin Phoenix. You've got him using his sword and he's like, you know, fighting against mm. multiple. Mm. Roman soldiers. So that sets up some kind of, you know, ah, he can he can handle a sword. Okay. But with this, there's nothing. Mm. Nothing. You just expect it to, the leap of faith to, uh, oh, we can handle a sword, can it? Oh, okay. Oh, we can swing through. To, oh, 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 all right then. And um, we're a bit more sophisticated than that now. Yeah. We're not, we're not as, um, oh, what's the word? We are not as... Gullible. Exactly. We're a bit more worldwide. Because mm. there's so many films out there now and there's so much, so much to watch. People have become a lot more wise and they expect a little bit more. And... I, this film just didn't deliver that little bit no. more. But the bits, like I say, but the bits that are bad are really bad. The bits in between are classic indie. They're re they are very, very good. I love the bit where, apart from him dressed like fucking Marlon Brando, I love all that 50s stuff. I love all of that. It's a good chase. It's a good chase on the bikes and all, and all the rest of it. That's that's great. And then you, you get things like this, swinging around with the monkeys in the jungle, and it's it's just arse. But let's move, let's move on. So essentially, he moves on. It then location moves to Hawaii. They film the last bit, and this is in Peru. This 
meant to be El Dorado, where the crystal skull gets reunited with its crystal. And they they actually find it, don't they, in a pyramid? Yeah, they, they they catch up. They catch up with John Hurt's character, who then takes them essentially to El Dorado. And but the pyramid set that this set, I have. Now, this wasn't CG. This whole set was built, and it looks amazing. Now, I have one one problem with this set, and I'm going to say it's the lighting. And that comes down to the cinematography, because no matter where they are in this set, it looks like they're outside in daylight. And they, they go down, don't they? I mean, it's these big pillars, and they, it explains how these big cantilevers work to pull it down. And then you get the door. When you get into the thing, you get that door where that kind of arrow thing drops down. The things swing away. It looks like something of Tomb Raider. It looks you amazing. See, now, for me, National Treasure did this a lot better. National Treasure did the sort of the ending, which is pretty much what happens here. You know, they got oldie worldy contraptiony. They had the same thing in National Treasure. National <laughs> Treasure was better. It was better. This no, it just didn't work for me. I was out. Yeah. I checked out by this point. Well, yeah. I mean, they're carrying around this crystal skull, and throwing it around like it's a piece of plastic. <laughs> Oh, wait, it was a piece of plastic because there was no weight to that fucking skull. No. I'll tell you now, at any point in this film, that would have weighed a ton, a big crystal skull yeah. like that. It was massive. And then they're just throwing it around all over the shop. But anyway, um, they get to the, I thought the set and I thought the, I thought the cantilevered and all the kind of devices in the tomb were great, but it was like really bright in there. And in Raiders, you kind of, you got shots of where you could, the light well, was streaming through and is... it was shot well. But we had a good, you've got a good, Good cinematographer on this. Why did it look so bright? You see, <laughs> fix it in post. Why fix, fix it, it in post? post. You see, I said this before about Raiders. It it just looks more real. It, I don't know if it's because it's shot on film or a certain type of film, but it just looks really, really tangible. It looks as though you just reach out into the screen, and grab hold of it. It it looks that real. Whereas it 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 doesn't. It 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 looks fucking false. See, I thought Guy Dias did it. Guy Dias is the production designer on this film and he and I, I thought he did a, a, when you look at the amount of detailing on and maybe that's it maybe there's too much detailing for you on the actual pieces themselves because it, there's, well, there's there's a lot of stuff went into this and Guy Hendricks has worked with him was, oh, he's done all sorts he's his production designer and all sorts of passengers, Inception, Steve Jobs, just to name a few. You don't like Inception? Oh, I love Inception. I could watch that fucking... Oh, right. I was about to say, we're going to have a falling out, fella, if you fucking don't like Inception. <laughs> but, no, so Guy Hendricks, as a production designer, knows his shit. But in this, I just think it needed to be darkened down a bit. And I think that would have given it a more realistic mm. element where you're seeing too much. You're showing too much of it. I think it needs... You need to hide some of it. And I don't normally say that in things. Normally things are too fucking dark. But in this, I, I think you need to see less to make it more believable. But I love mm. the little, de I love the design of everything in there. And they did the classic thing as well, like they did in Raiders, in the Well of Souls, where they actually trying to break out with all the snakes on that, some of the hieroglyphs. There's an R2-D2 and a C-3PO. Yeah, there's, he appears again on the... Uh, he appears in this. The orange tiles. E.T.'s there as well. E.T.'s in this one as well, yeah. Mm. 
So I quite like that. Um, you know, you're never going to find them because there's like 4,000 of these thing tiles all over the shop. But, you know, it's a nice little nod back to things like that. But I actually like the design. I just didn't like the way it was lit in this case. I thought I needed to see less to give it more depth. Because, again, now this is the worst shot from Steven Spielberg of the movie. There's a bit where, so they put the crystal skulls together, all the skulls come together. Ooh, it's all mystical and interdimensional. And, yeah, people start dying wonderfully. But... <laughs> there's a bit where there's a big void opens up a rift in space we'll have deja vu later on in this in this mm. conversation possibly depending on how far we go but um, <laughs> there's a rift there's a rift in space where a big flying saucer takes off if it's a rift in space and they're interdimensional beings why do they need a flying saucer oh because it was a flying saucer film with aliens and not interdimensional beings but there's a bit where ray winston is has fucking double crossed him again for no fucking reason and he's double crossed him and he's floating or he's kind of about to be floating away and he he grabs the indy grabs his whip and kind of whips at him to try and get in and he just looks at him ray winston looks at indy and he says i'll be all right mate and gives him a bit of a cheeky wink and let's go and I was like, now the problem with that shot, now the problem with that shot is, now this is the shot selection. This is the only time I'll, I'm going to criticise Steven Spielberg because the man, the man is a god when it comes to direction, no matter what he does. There's a shot before where you see Ray Winston pretty much just laying on the floor and he he throws, a, that's when he throws a whip up, kind of whips at him and he grabs the whip. He's about two metres in front of him, literally two metres in front of him on a flat floor you fat bastard you could have just fucking stood up and walked to fucking harrison ford to be quite frank now that's not ray winston's fault i don't want ray winston coming over here give me a cheeky slap i'm the daddy I'm now the daddy. where's your fucking soul oh, oh. yeah but you know it was just a really bad selection it just didn't look right at all and then he goes floating off i'll be all right mm. and off he fucking floats into the middle of nowhere and then there's a massive cg shot at the end which yeah, and then they then they get married, don't they? And Mutt gets yeah. married, and Mutt's at the wedding. picks up picks up the hat, and Indy whips it off him. You know, this is Spielberg's only movie to to win a Razzie. It won a Razzie, did it? Yeah, yeah. You see, the bad bits outweigh the good bits. That's the problem. You know? But the good bits are very good. That's that's the thing. Even the CG look of the big kind of chase scene, you know, with the with the amphibious boat that run about early on in the forest, which looks bad, but was done in real it was done, mm. but it was it looks bad. That is still well orchestrated and choreographed. And it, all the bits, you know, all it's it's quite imaginative the what what he puts into it. But he just doesn't for some reason that final cut doesn't the look. It's the look. It's not the it's, it's not the it cutting. It's not the direction. It was made by committee. There was too many too many screenplays. Too many stabs at it. Too many. It, it went through too many hands of writers, and no one really said no. If we're going to do it, we're going to do this. No, bang. And Mission Creep, it, it, oh, we'll have this, we'll put this in there. This, no. Yeah, IMDb give it 6.2. Tomatoes, critics 77, audience 53. Yeah, the critics give it more than the audience, which is a rarity and things like I this. I don't think it deserves 53. Rewatching oh, it recently, um, I don't think it deserves 53. I think it'll deserve maybe 54 or a, a solid 55. 65. I'm gonna if I, if we're gonna if we're gonna rate, it, I'm gonna go 65. Um, because the bad bits are so bad, and they should have fucking realised that and sorted that shit out. But they did sort it out because sometime later, <laughs> they're back from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> don't start singing, please, for God. And this time with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, by James, um, directed by James Mangold. James Logan Mangold. 
Mm. Not Steven Spielberg. And again, David Keop is lead lead kind of script writer on this, as well as James Mangold. Butterworth's uh, brothers, they're involved yeah. as well. They must have put some scripts in somewhere along the line. And, well, this one, they're actually after the Dial of Destiny. So what they're actually after is the Antipicathea. Isn't it? Which is a real thing. It is. It is. It oh, found it in Greece, didn't yeah. it? Back in 1802. There you go. I wrote this down because mm. I actually I looked it up. The Antikythea is a is a dial. It's a, it's it's all crusty and fucking man. You can't see, but it's it's got it's got dials. It's got cogs. It's got wheels and stuff mm. in it. And essentially, what it is, the Greeks created this to track the motion of the planets. That's what it's for, and that's what it is. It's a, it is a real thing. This film opens up with Indiana Jones, essentially a young Indiana Jones. We don't see Harrison Ford in his 79-year-old body. Grumpiness. We see him in a younger Indy back at the arse end of the war, essentially. Yeah. And it, on a train. It's him on a train getting the shit kicked out. Now, the th- now, the first thing that I noticed with this film, in all the other Indiana Jones films, because these are by Paramount Studios, and Paramount Studios has the has the mountain, doesn't it? Yeah, has, the logo. Has its lo- in yeah. its logo. And in all of the other Indiana Jones films, they transition from that logo to something into yeah, wherever. a mountain or a pyramid or... Oh, it's not a pyramid, but, um, or a gopher fucking hole. <laughs> <sighs> but still, it's a thing. In this one, we don't. No. We transition from the Lucasfilm Limited logo into a latch on the back of a on the back of a wagon. Essentially, we don't get the transition from and that. No, you got to move with the times, mate. No, not in this case. <laughs> We're not moving with the times. It's a thing. No, it's mate. A thing that these films do, and we didn't do no. it. We used. We chose something different. Yeah. Why? Because I want to be different, but I'll still rep. I'll still you know represent no. by doing it with a different way. No, I'm sorry. You can't, because it's not Spielberg who'd done it. If Spielberg had done it, it then he would have done it. You can't, These films are bigger than Spielberg. But you can't copy... Well, as big as he is. You can't copy... Another director can't copy the signature of another director. It's only the signature in these films. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No, you're wrong. But anyway, <laughs> so the logo chain. So they're on the, but they're not. They're not actually looking for the that at this point. They're not looking for the Antikythea. So they're on. So in, you find out Indiana Jones is there, and also the our main man with the plan, Basil Shaw, played by Toby Jones. Oh, he's everywhere. I love him. I gotta love I a bit love of Toby him. Jones. I love him. He, There's nobody like a Toby Jones. All the Marvel films he's in. I love him. If you want, if you want some deranged professor, Toby Jones. He's the boffin. He's, he's the, the man. One. He's there. Yeah, he's a cracking actor as well. Yeah. He, he he has got because he played. I saw him when he played Hitchcock as well, and I, I'd had my doubts initially because there'd been a couple of Hitchcock films, and they'd use one in one of them. They'd use loads of makeup in him. They didn't, but he was brilliant. He was very fucking good as Hitchcock. But anyway, we digress. Toby Jones is in it uh, as a, as a bot, botty possessor, but they're actually after the. Is it Long Longinus, the Spear of Destiny, which is again one of the? I think isn't that one of the? Is that a book or a f- comic or it's, something? Um, the Spear it's of a Destiny? James Herbert book called The Spear, and it's um, about the the spear that pierced the side Christ of Christ. Side, isn't it? He's been crucified. Yeah, and that's what they're after on this train because the Nazis have it. Because there was a bit of outcry because Indiana Jones is basically a grave robber in the other films, stealing all the antiquities and taking them back to museums elsewhere and not keeping them in the country of origin. Back in the day, that wasn't a problem. These days, people realise that's actually a, that he's a bit wrong. Clearly have them in, in the museums. Ah, at, but it's, of the, it's a film of its time. It's a film of its time. And at this time, 
this we're back with Nazis. Back where, where Rich is happy place. because yes, Germans meant the best baddies. Nazis <laughs> meant the best baddies. And the baddie in this, essentially, is um, Mads Mikkelsen as Dr. Voller. If you want a good baddie, get Mads on the case. He plays Mads Mikkelsen in every single film, let's be honest. <laughs> he's a good actor. I'm not denying I met it. him at a Comic-Con. He's really nice. I'm sure he is. He is. He's lovely. And he's a good actor. But he's a bit one note, in my view. Mads Mikkelsen plays Mads Mikkelsen, but Mads Mikkelsen very well. Um, but anyway, so he's, he's a buddy in this. And they've de-aged, they've de-aged Harrison Ford. They've de-aged Mads Mikkelsen. Less so for yeah. Mads Mikkelsen, obviously. Well, it, but well, he is like, there's what, less work needed. 20, 30 years younger than Harrison. Yeah. But I didn't realise in this... What, what, did, what did you think of the CG? Well, though? in some, they use a mask. They do, and yeah. They, they sti- for, the, for the stunt scenes, they, they stick a... They stick a mask on yeah, the stuntman. Yeah, and that's where it, it looked to me like he was his face was floating, it, and it, it it was a bit fatter. And I, I just Oscar, it's a mask. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> it doesn't look right. Why why does he look like a a hamster with his cheeks full of fucking food? It's because he's got a bloody mask on. The main man obviously is a bit old now, Harrison, so he doesn't do as many stunts as he did. He did a lot more riding in this film than I thought he did actually on the horseback. We'll get to that in a minute. But the two stuntmen, as we've seen, we're talking about someone is Mike Messer and Anthony Inglesvert. They, they were the two people that stumbled for him in this film um, when doing a lot of the stunts. But yeah, they de-aged him. And I'm going to be honest, I was surprised how good yeah, it was. It's <laughs> the best I've seen to this date. If the if they took the trouble to de-age his voice as well. Yeah, that's, because- that was a bit of a... And you can, the thing is, you can these days as well. You know, so I don't know why they wouldn't do that because it was clearly old Indy's voice. In a younger Indy's, you're like, what? That, that, doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't marry right. But the de aging is the best I've seen. Yeah, it is the best I've seen. But I, and I'd say the look of it looked great. The acting of it wasn't. Mm. Because I think one of the best things that Harrison Ford does, he's got these little looks, he's got these little glances, he's got these little nuance nuances in his, to his performance, mm. which give like Han Solo, Indiana Jones, and the other stuff as well that he plays. It gives him the edge. It gives him that stardom that why Harrison Ford is who he who he is these days. How he's revered as, as an actor, and he's a cracking actor, as, as we've spoken about in the in the past. But the CG version just didn't have that little no. twinkle. Didn't have that sparkle. It's, didn't have that magic. It's pixie almost dust. there. It's but almost it, there, but it not. It's the best quite. I've ever seen. If you t- yeah. if you if you look at what they did in uh, Tron Legacy, even though that is what 2010, it's light years, light years behind this. It's so far when they did. Um, it's light cycles ahead. Henry of Henry Cavill's top lip. Remember that the you know you, uh, <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. that 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 fuck up there. This this is light years ahead of that. You know it, it is really really good. Now I'm interested now to see where this leads on onto. You know, well it leads onto actors' strikes apparently because they're scared <laughs> of AI and writers' strikes because they're scared of AI actually taking over their jobs because this is proven that they can do it. They're pretty much there now. Yeah. But like you say, you, you're going to miss something. It would be, it'd be interesting. At this point, at this point, you're missing that little sparkle. You're missing the star that makes these it'll people the stars that to, they are. To do like, you know, a blind taste test of the show someone running around and then show the same thing, you know. Yeah, maybe, which yeah. Is, maybe, yeah. Which one do you which prefer? Which is the real, yeah. which is not. 
Yeah. You know. You see, we, 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 and I think it, it pulled away from it a little bit as well. Now, mm. I also thought that James Mangold, as good as a director as he is, he's not Steven Spielberg. Oh, and not, again, no. this film missed Steven Spielberg. And now, I liked, I'm, I'm going to be upfront about it, I liked the film. I liked the film very much. I liked it more than, it got a lot more right. I liked it more than, than, than Crystal Skull and even yep. more than Temple of Doom. For me now looking back yes i'll say i'd say so I, I'd, I'd agree with you there i d- i thought it was very good so essentially what they realize that the antithapy i can't even say the bloody thing now the the clock dial thing the antica ticker theory it was on is, is on the train yeah it's the clock dial thing he's on the dial destiny it was on the train so they they take they say they take both off them essentially and they do escape eventually but the then it goes fast forward in time because that, that scene is actually quite long as well yeah there's a big fight on the train but i just think i'm, I'm jumping around slightly here because I, I jumped away from the train i want to say something about the train and i think this this sums up james mangold he's a solid good solid action director but steven spielberg makes action fun to watch and he's more imaginative and i think that was missing from this mm. that imagination was missing from this film and i think that's why it just drops slightly in my opinion it's not quite there when it comes to an indiana jones well, because film. even though it's got all the pieces well yeah you've you've got spielberg has done he's done the indiana joneses he knows the character he knows because he because he's fucking done it and james mangold well he doesn't so he's, he's putting his own little little stamp on it because he's in because his reintroduction in this wasn't see crystal skull fantastic reintroduction of indiana jones in this one it wasn't it wasn't as good i didn't think the reintroduction of him and then then we find him i say jumps forward in time and we find him in his flat and there's a lot going on in that flat you see him he's old he's he's flaked out on the chair um, sean connery's on there you've got brody on there there's marion's there there's there's a photograph of marion you've got um sheila he's there as well and and more importantly at this point there's a folded flag now this is what yeah. we can say this because this is at the beginning of the film uh or really realistically near the beginning of the film and the reason shia labeouf is not in the film because james mangold it wasn't it's nothing to do with shia labeouf he wanted he wanted indy to have a bit of a bit more backstory than just the womanizing kind of hero that he well, is and basically mm-hmm. you see the folded flag the american folded flag on the mantelpiece and that indicates that someone has died and in this case it's this is son died in Vietnam. That's the backstory now, there. It's, you've got more of a grit. Well, I say gritty, but a more grounded Indiana Jones, which Mangold did with Logan. You've got a more yeah, grounded yeah. character. We we know Indiana Jones. We've known him since the eighties. We've known Wolverine. We've known him for what since the two thousand when the first mm-hmm. X Men film came out. So he's giving the character a bit of a bit of shit, a bit of stick to make him. Oh, He's world weary. Well, yeah, because we see him. He's world weary and he's down and he's, he's pissed off and grumpy. Is what he is. He is, yeah. And it's it's the time of the um, the moon landing and the guys coming back from the moon landing because there's a big action sequence around that. That actually happened, not the actual action sequence, but that parade happened on that date in that time. So they are, that's that they utilize that as well. And you see him, yeah. In in the other films, you you see when he's in this in the uh, universities and he's teaching. They're they they're right there and they're listening to him and yeah. you know they're paying attention and some of the girls are fancying him and so on and so forth but in this one everyone's bored they're asleep yeah. they're not paying attention he's given up he's he, he's actually talking about the antikythea um in his less in his lecture actually because they lost the they lost it 
we, one thing we didn't mention is when they were trying to escape, they lost the Antithica. It, it gets thrown over the, over the side of the train into a, a river. Into a river. Yeah. yeah. But uh, again, we're not ruining it. It's all right at the beginning of the film, and it doesn't spoil it for the rest of it. We're not going to spoil this film. We're not going to, because it's still in, still in cinemas. It's not reached the streaming services. Our rules are if it's been on streaming services for a while, we will spoil it. In this case, it's not. So we're not going to talk about the ending. We will talk about our thoughts about the ending, I'm sure, but we're not going to go that far. So he's a he's a weary, but into his life comes Phoebe Waller-Bridge playing Helena or Helena as his goddaughter, isn't it? Now she now I, I actually now, liked this character, and the reason being, but before you jump in <laughs> and and poo poo, get out the fucking fun sponge and wipe away the fun from this podcast. Um, Phoebe Waller's Bridge, I thought, gave a really strong performance in this. I think she was again a strong female character, but she's not good and she's not evil. She's in that dark space, in but she's in the grey space in between. She pl- she's playing a bit of both sides. And again, this is very early on when you see this, so it's not spoiling anything. Um, I am not familiar with any of her work, aside from being the voice of L337 in Solo. That's it. That's all I know her from. I've, I'm well, not- she she wrote and produced Killing Eve. Um, Fleabag obviously is massive as well. Um, Fleabag's very not good. Not seen actually. it. I, I re- I really not seen that. Killing Eve. Not seen that. Broadchurch. Not. I've not seen anything. So when I saw her in the trailer with the the clipped Oxbridge accent, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? We're going down the Ray Skywalker route of clipped English female actresses. You're like, what yeah, the- I, we've got to stop. We've got to stop oh. this. I I agree with you there. This clipped British accent is bullshit. Most people don't talk like that. Um, but in films, you'd think that we all do. We There's don't. accents up and down the country. The same in America as well. And you get the same few accents. You get the Boston, the New York, and you get the bloody hey. Southern. And that's about it. And then you, here, you get the clipped English accent or Scottish. Or occasionally we might let the Welsh out of the fucking boxes and join join in, but it's bullshit and it annoys the fuck out of me. And that's why I didn't warm to bloody Ray, to be fair, as well. And the same with this, but she does actually talk like that. But it's, it's, it's <laughs> like, kind of... <laughs> but then when as a, as the story this, progresses and you get a backstory, oh, oh, okay, then it sort of makes a little bit of sense, sort of. So you just go with it. So, yeah, so Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, plays Helena, and her dad is Toby Jones, Basil Shaw, and he devoted, pretty much like Henry yep. Jones Sr., devoted his life to the Grail. Toby Jones his. dedicated his life to find the Dial of Destiny, essentially. Mm. The Germans have been after it, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge has taken up the mantle of chasing after it for her own means. But... The Germans are back in this, even in 60s. So the, yeah. the Germans, again, this is not spoiling anything. Mads Mikkelsen's Dr. Voller. He's sort of like based on a Werner von Braun. He's changed his name. Kind of thing. Yeah, he's helped He's helped the Americans. He's moved yeah. over from Germany because he's a, he's a scientist, essentially. He's helped um, the Americans get into space and land on the moon. But he's also after the Antithopia because essentially he's still a fucking Nazi. And again, I'm not going to give the reasons why he's going back, but he wants to get back in time because he he thinks that this Dial of Destiny will open up a way of getting back and changing history. Does it happen? Well, find out. Watch the film. Uh, What line? he, He says a line. 
He says no, a few but lines. He says, mate. He says it to. Um, They're in the script in a big in a big book with lots, lots of, of writing words. in Richie. Yeah, printed lots on of words. He's some of them have two Whoa. syllables. He says, uh, "You didn't, um, you didn't win the, the war. Germany lost." Yeah, he's saying that to um, a steward yeah, in his like, room, isn't he? Yeah, a black ooh, steward in the room. Fuck yeah, fuck. But he says it with such conviction, like, "Yeah, you didn't win. We lost yeah. it." You know, so you know. Like, yeah, you've got some other good characters in this as well. Uh, he 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 plays a his character's quite well written in this. Actually, the script is not bad in this one. To be honest, um, John Rhys Davies is back as Salah. I mean, he's in the trailer, so we're not ruining anything there. Antonio Banderas plays Ronaldo. Could be played by anybody. A boat captain again, <laughs> criminally underused. Could, I could have done that. If I go out in the sun, I go brown. <laughs> I can grow a bit of a beard and put on a Spanish San Miguel okay, accent. Let- let let me hear your Spanish accent, Richie. Dos San Miguel, por favor. There you go. Brilliant, there brilliant. Samuel. I can see. BAFTA's exactly. in the post, mate. The BAFTA is in the post. Yeah, so you've got Antonio Banderas absolutely, completely yeah. wasted in this film. Absolutely nothing to do. I'm sure there must be some stuff of his on the cutting room floor or something because there's no point having right. him in. He's... Now, the thing is, you, you see him, you recognise him. I think he's in the trailer as well, so again, not ruining anything. And the stuff he does, very good because it's Antonio Banderas. But it could have been anybody. Pointless. Could have been anybody. Could have been anybody. Now there is a there is a scene. Again, you get a lot of stuff going on in this film. There's a scene where well, there's a chase scenes, obviously. And again, they've gone they've gone for the modern parlo parlance of is that a word? Parlance? I'm gonna use it. The modern way of doing a chase scene. We find the most inappropriate vehicle. Yeah. And then race it down yes. the streets. Tuk tuk. <laughs> they find the fastest tuk tuk in the world and race it around down steps, up yeah. steps, around, and all sorts. It's a good chase scene, though. It is. It is well done. I, I will give it. A, but again, just lacked a little bit of Spielberg magic. I found again, well, like the train scene. It just lacked a little bit of that. You get used. You get used to seeing it, and it's it, it's like it's like the Alien films. Each director has their own little spin on it. And you don't mind that. You don't mind that, do you? We did in Alien 4. The silence said It's anything. a different <laughs> film, but you don't mind it. You don't mind it. It's like, like, it's like what you said, it, the good outweighs the bad. Yeah. The characters are amazing. They are. The, the crew of the Betty are fantastic. They could have their own bloody films, to well, be completely honest. They did. I think they called it Firefly. Um <laughs> <laughs> Joss Whedon exactly. again just saying what let that down was the end but we're not here to talk about Alien not yet that's what you've got you've yeah. got your different directors putting a different spin on it see yeah you had see again in, in this someone else who was wasted was Seanette Renee Wilson who played Mason who plays um, well you don't know who she is initially but she she plays a, I think is it CIA or FBI or she one has a government two. agent isn't she she's a government agent regardless you know that quite early on again she's she's in it a lot but I thought she was criminally yeah. underused. She was great. When she was yeah. on the screen, she lit up the screen. She was brilliant. And then, But, yeah, again, I, I would watch a film with her in it as that mm. character. Yeah, yeah. She was very good, I thought. So, again, un, un, underused, underused, unfortunately underused. Which is a bit mad because Mangold, he, he's done Copland, a big ensemble piece. You know, yeah. Wolverine, there's a lot going on. Logan, there's lots of characters, yeah. strong characters. Again, character, character work. Bringing characters together. So it comes down to script again. Well... Because you can only go with the, with the script. I mean, and then Dave Keogh, but it was written by James Mangold as well, so he's obviously had some input yeah. to change some but stuff. But worse, Edge of Tomorrow, fucking good film. Edge of Tomorrow, Spectre. 
Not so good. Not so good. That's quite yeah. dull, to be quite frank. So yeah, so you've got you've got a lot of going on, and I think the, the, there are some really good scenes in this, and there is some good parts of the script. And again, there's a bit of the script. I, I when I saw it in the cinema, it it quite moved me a little bit because I thought, yeah, I'm watching Indiana Jones, and it's great, and all the rest of it. And there's a bit on the boat where Harrison is talking about the past, essentially, and he talks about his son, about the death of his son, briefly, and marrying briefly mm. again. It's really, it's a really very small scene. It's a really small part of dialogue, but Harrison Ford really shows how good Harrison Ford actually is, and he can actually act as well as all these big action things. And that scene, he he makes the most of that scene. I thought it was a really nice scene. I think the music helps as well, obviously with the mighty John Williams mm. in the background. But we'll talk about him in a minute. But um, yeah, that that scene was very good, and there was lots of nods back to the other films in the series there's lots of little kind of they have their cameo moments of scenes in this as well where he's afraid of snakes and then they got there's a diving i think you see there's a diving scene and there's eels in the diving scene which kind of replicate the snakes but again it was very unclear what was going on in that diving scene it was quite badly put together this is where spielberg is a fucking master at things like this he sets the scene you see the scene, and then he moves you through that scene. Mm. And I'll we'll come on to Spielberg. I want to talk about Spielberg at the end. But, um, yeah, you, you get the eels. And as it's lots of little nods back to so, some of the other other films as well. And we're not going to, like I said, we're not going to go too much. What did you think of the end? What do you think of the big reveal? At the, not the big, the final bit at the end, but the because there's another thing at the end. But well, what do you think about the the Dial of Destiny part? We don't want to give it away, but it it was a stretch, and it's almost like Eureka's scenario. Whereas if if he wasn't there, the film would have progressed without him, and everyone, you know, the ending would have happened without mm. him, without him being there. Mm. So as a as a plot story yeah. character, he, he essentially is us. Going through well, the he thing. is, he is, and, you know. he is, yeah, going through the stumbling through, and he is, he's, he's a. I think what makes him him good and Han Solo before they fucking changed him was he's a broken character. He's, he's he can get hit, he can get beaten up, he can get shot nine times mm. and still be around. So he's he's not he doesn't win everything. He doesn't beat everybody. He does get beaten. And the fuck, there's a guy in this film. My God, he's like a he's fucking huge, eclipse. <laughs> What the guy? I'm, I'm just gonna quickly look at his look for his name. What is that guy's name? He's fucking massive. He plays a guy called Hawk. His name is Oliver Richards. The guy is a monster. I think he's seven mm, foot something for a start. He's big. a fucking. He's like a planet on when he's on screen. But anyway, he's one of the bodyguards. But it, yeah, the end for me again. It was a slight stretch and one of the decisions, the story arcs that kind of went one way. And I thought, oh, don't do that. Please don't do that. And well, you don't. Yeah, it was a little bit of a stretch. I like the very end where it does kind of tie things up a little bit. I have see, I have heard a, a lot of online hate for the character of Helena, how she at one point in the film punches Indiana Jones, knocks him out, and everyone's up in arms over it. And it's like, why? Well, Marion did it in the first one. He fucking sparked him out. Yeah, didn't knock him out, but she gave him a good. Are people online whim lady bashing again? Are well, they? it's Is this what the... yeah, it, it's about uh, you know she proves herself to be roughy tufty in this. Colin and Mary Sue, you know how, how it's oh, the um, knows all about the the dial of destiny when it it's well, a dad. It, Exactly. Her dad did all the work. Devoted the life. Yeah. And she says that in the film. That she read all his books and she actually says in the film, I've got a photographic memory. So she's not learned she's 
she didn't earn it herself. She's she's learnt it off the back of somebody else. No, and like I said, she's after things for her own reasons, not to put them in, a, not to go in a museum or to keep it away from the Nazis. Exactly. It's for her reasons. Well, we'll find. We'll let you find those reasons. Did you out. know uh, what other holy relic was on that train? <gasps> holy relic. Do I know something you don't know? <laughs> Probably a lot of things I don't know, but go, but go on. <laughs> The holy Go hand on. grenade of Antioch. Fuck off. Yes, it no was. No way. Yes, way. On the train. And I'm not... count to three. <laughs> no more, no less. I'm not telling you where. You've got to go back and find it. You've got to watch it again. Oh, we'll watch it again. I'll pop it by it when it comes out. Well, it'll be on Disney Plus, won't it? So it'll be on Disney Plus in two weeks, probably. Things are going at the moment. So, yeah, overall, yeah, quite. I quite like the I film. Did. I did as well. It had its faults. It wasn't quite, didn't have quite the magic. But again, let's be honest, the guy is 78, 79 when he filmed this. You know. 79 years of age. And there's a scene with him where his top's off and he's still fucking built. And that's not CGI. That was fucking real shit. The guy's a fucking stone cold hero in my eyes, Harrison Ford. He does a lot of his own stunts. He did a lot more of the horse riding in this than I thought he did as well. There is a scene where the horse goes through the parade and it's, bombing them through all the cars and stuff well that's on the that's in the trailer isn't it when we saw the trailer and it was <laughs> oh dear god that cg's bad and it didn't get any better but that aside he did do a lot of the riding again in this because mm. he is a good horseman um as we've said in the past he's got a ranch and what have you so he can ride horses so yeah hats off to him fedora's off to him i tipped my fedora mm. to him he did a good job in it and let's leave it there in in that case but i thought the magic just wasn't there the magic wasn't there. And I think, for me, this is this is a Spielberg. I said I wanted to talk about Spielberg. I'm just going to say a couple of things about Spielberg. And Spielberg himself, and I think this is why he, I think he's fucking great, Spielberg, right? For two things. Now, you you know, I need to explain a couple of things, really. One thing, blocking. You know what blocking is. I know what blocking is. And people in film and theatre know what blocking is. So blocking is how actors and in in film cameras move around the scene so you block it so you don't bump into each other essentially and look stupid on screen and then you've got staging and then you've got staging is like the placement of props in scenes now the thing with spielberg and i think this is what was missing spielberg is a fucking master at putting a prop in the scene so like um it'll be a book or something for what example or it could be a ticking bomb or something mm-hmm. it'll be in the scene but you won't know what it is and it's not the focus of the action but you'll frame it so it is in in scene then he'll cut around he'll cut around and again he uses like the classic techniques when filmmaking so if he, he'll isolate people in frame when they're feeling like vulnerable and things like that and he'll frame it so if someone's um, got the power in the scene they're gonna be above aren't they they'll be above mm. they'll either fill the frame or they'll be stood up and the others will be sat down he's a master at this but the thing is where most directors will cut they'll cut between those they'll do over the shoulder in there. I mean Spielberg does that as well but it'll be the over the shoulder or there'll be this and that he doesn't cut he moves the camera he's a he's a fucking master at moving the camera and reframing the camera from another direction and then it'll stop the camera again so you're moving but he'll use again he'll use the actors to move through the frame i mean you you've got to look at the opening scene of saving private ryan the the opening half an hour yeah that is just phenomenal. I don't think there's yeah. no one who could pull that off. That's what he does. He's he's a master at moving the art of the camera and placing things in, in scenes that he'll go back to because he can reuse it. So, like, there's a shot in Raiders, which is a fucking dull... It's a dull scene, right? It's a dull scene to film. They're basically talking about the Ark of the Covenant. You've got two G-men, you've got Marcus Brody, and you've got um, Harrison Ford. You've got Red Six, an old guy, Marcus Brody. <laughs> 
yeah. and then but he moves the camera around he, he mm. shows you this big book it's just on the desk but it's right in front of the screen but the, you're focusing on, on the g-man and you're focusing on marcus and what have you and marcus moves into shot when when he's supporting indy and indy's when when the g-man are having to go at indy he's not in shot it's just the g-man and, and indy's framed to be something summit in the middle of the frame keep keeping splitting them apart and showing that he's out on his own that sort of stuff and then he'll reframe it again and with with the book and then they open the book so then the book becomes the focus of attention but you've already mm. seen the book so you you know that it's established in the shot and that's the key thing he knows what to put in shots he knows how to stage and he knows how to block and move that camera around and i think that's what's missing by some directors because they don't have the skill they don't have the foresight in, in some cases now james mangold i'm not knocking him i think he's a good director but when you've got like it's like in jaws when you the shot on the boat you got such a small fucking bit on the boat, but at all points in that film, you know where they are mm. on the boat. Because instead of it's just shooting, just shooting one of the characters, he'll have all three of them in shot and have the other one doing what they're doing over the shoulder. So you're looking at all three of them. And it's the same in this. And he'll move the action around. It's like at the bar fight as well. The bar fight in Rages, say, for example. At all times, you know what is going on in that fight. You know exactly where everybody is. You know what people are doing. And it's basically because Spielberg really knows how to work the camera, work his blocking, and his staging out. And I think that is what's missing when other people try to replicate him later on. Because he's the, he's the fucking master at that. You see... That's their first mistake. You should never try and replicate Spielberg. Directors shouldn't copy other directors, period, in my, in my book. You've got your own style. No, I, I agree. You've got your own style, and to copy him, it would, it, it, it would come across as a third-rate Steven Spielberg knockoff. But the thing is, it's not, it's not even copy. Well, you're, we're talking about copying, yeah. You shouldn't, you shouldn't copy. But the thing is, he's just a master at what he does. He's just a fucking... He's just one of the best directors there is out there because he knows how to frame his shots. He knows how to stage and block. Amazing looking scenes. And it's the same in Crystal Skull, actually. There's some fucking amazing shots. I've talked about the, the nuclear bomb thing going off. But you've also got, he uses shadow. We talked about the shadow when he picks up the hat. You don't see Indy first, you see the shadow. But he uses shadow repeatedly throughout throughout that film where there's a bit in the, in the again, loads of fucking exposition. But there's a bit where they're in a tent and there's a gauze in between, and he backlights Indy. And when Indy's trying to get, when he's getting bit, bit bigger, you, he uses the shot where Indy's shadow is bigger on the gauze than Indy is, because Indy's kind of rising to the challenge type of thing. That's what he, he's really good at. He's, he's taking a scene and then just adding something else to that scene. And subliminally, in your mind, because you, you don't notice it the first time you well, watch no, it. No, you don't. That, that, that's that's the thing, isn't Second, it? Second, third time, especially if we're filmmakers, obviously. So we're gonna we are gonna notice things like that a little bit more. But it's that subliminal stuff that really, and that's what gets you rooting more for the characters and rooting and loving films more than other films. Was it in Fargo? You you had a character in a car park and it's seen from overhead, and they're in the walking in the car park, and they get to the middle of the car park, and actually on the ground is tire tracks, and they're in the middle. It's like a cross crossroads and this character does what do i do what do i do and it's giving them this subliminally they're at a crossroads and literally they are but the coen brothers the coen brothers again yeah. are, ma are, are masters at this and, yeah. and they're master writers as well their scripts are fucking phenomenal you know you don't you don't tend to get bad writing from the coen brothers but um again they are masters at it and those masters that's what elevates these people above you 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 regular and even you good directors it elevates them again exactly because they yeah. know their craft yeah. 
so well. And one person we've skimmed over and we've mentioned briefly who is a fucking master. He is the OG when it comes to theme music is John Williams. Mr. John Williams. Yeah. And his score. Because on, on in this last film, The Dial of Destiny, he was only employed to do a couple of themes because he's, he's quite old. He's, 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 he's 90 90 odd, isn't he? And he's 91. He's, I think he's been quite frail recently as well. He's been quite ill. So they brought him in just to do a couple of themes for the characters. And he ended up writing the whole fucking thing. He got so into it, he wrote the whole thing. And I saw a clip of him actually. And like John Williams, he is one of the best thematic composer. Composer. He's, he's one, he's like the top thematic composer that you're going to find hands down when there's a well, concert when there's a concert with theme music there's more of his theme music than there is of anybody else's because they like playing it because it's all kind of cool and what have you but when he came onto the set for the first into into the um, orchestra room for the first time the first thing things out of his, his mouth was he thanks everybody for coming. Even now, him well, being the main man, the Don. Well, that's... He thanked all the orchestra for turn, actually turning that's, up. That's, you know, that's him being so humble. He is being you humble, know, but he's genuine is, with it. He, yeah. he was genuine. And I thought, fuck me, man. That's why the man is, is the Don. He's the main man. There was a um, a poll on uh, IMDb, right? There was a poll on IMDb. Who's the best? John Williams, Ennio Morricone. Ooh. Ooh. Now, now the thing is, <laughs> now the thing is with Ennio Morricone. Now we've seen Ennio Morricone. We have. We so very, very fortunate to have seen yeah. Ennio Morricone on his last on his last UK tour. Yeah, and it, it was a one. It was a wonderful experience. He, he's he's an amazing composer. Who do you think won? Now the thing is, Ennio Morricone has done a lot more than people kind of recognize we know all these western work it, you know oh yeah li- literally his western work and mm-hmm. but and things like the mission and all the other stuff yeah that he's done and the thing as well is yeah. one of our favorites yep 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 so we know all we know all of that but he's done so much more that a lot of films i myself included haven't watched because oh, yeah. um it, 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 there's just so much of it who won who do, who do you think won you see i think i think john williams has had the biggest impact where Ennio Morricone's probably had probably done more. So who do you think won? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> um, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, well, uh, That's another one, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Who? Give us a name. Ennio Morricone. No, John Williams. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just trying to throw me by saying, because no, no, obviously John it's going to be John Williams. It, um, because Yeah, there were... 900 only 931 votes uh john williams got 495 morricone 436 that's fucking class fucking close it is close but it's very close but the thing is yeah we don't know i don't personally know a lot of morricone's work there's 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 lots but there's so much of it i mean i and i listen to morricone a lot not just the famous found soundtracks i listen to other stuff as well i try and listen to as much but there's he's done so much like you say though williams is so commercial he's the commercial thematic director I mean, the Harry Potter theme, for fuck's sake. Star Wars, Jaws. His theme saved the film. Um, realistically, yeah. Jaws. You've got Raiders of the Lost Star, Superman, E.T., fucking hell. The first one I, I heard in the cinema was Superman. John yeah. Williams' theme was Superman. And it's he's the second most nominated individual after Walt Disney. And rightly so. He's fucking... He, he is a powerhouse. Schindler's powerhouse. List. The, the, the music yeah. in Schindler's List is 
beautiful. It's absolutely... Yeah. And Jurassic Park, I mean, it just got... The list goes on. All your big films, and he's wrote, he's, wrote this, he's mainly involved in the scores. I mean, Hans Zimmer's kind of getting up there now, but... He said to Spielberg on Schindler's List, so John Williams says to Spielberg, I really think you need a better composer than me for this film. For Schindler's List? Yeah, and Spielberg wow. says, I know, but they're all dead. Fucking hell. <laughs> That's... <laughs> You gotta hand it. That's a fucking good comeback. <laughs> fucking yeah, hell! They're all dead, mate. So I'm left with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it's... fair play. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I will say about the the Dial of Destiny music, there was a little bit of the Tie Fighter chase from Star Wars in it because I was like, oh, you've you, you've you can't that, really that's... help it though, can he? Because he, he he's, he's written... probably forgot. He's probably forgot he wrote it. He's written so many <laughs> themes. You know, he's what five Oscar wins, Schindler's. E.T., Star Wars, Jaws, and Fiddler on the Roof. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah, there Th- you go. That was his first Oscar win, Fiddler was on the it? Roof. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've learned stuff again. 379 nominations across everything. You know, Golden really? Globes. Wow. All, everything. And it's wow. 211 wins. You know. And rightly, and rightly deserved. There's, there's yeah. very few out there. Well, I, in fact, I'm going to put this out there now. I don't think there's anybody out there that can write a theme, a piece of music like John Williams. I think there are other good composers. And as you know, we, we both listen to a, oh, lot God, of, yeah. a lot of composers. And oh, we've got yeah. a lot of favourites and stuff. But for theme, for actual things that you can stand alone and listen to as an orchestra, no one beats John Williams. Hands down. And that's why he's the best and would probably be the best for a long yeah. long time after he's gone as well I don't think many people can top him I mean like I say Hans Zimmer's got a very brassy kind of but he, he's but again he's very good I mean Hans Zimmer we're going off topics like and we're running way over time here so we'll probably we'll cut we'll probably cut it there not <laughs> <laughs> petered out to fuck all <laughs> We'll talk. In fact, we we are going to talk about composers on on another podcast. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do Fucking it maybe hell. a little bit down later down the line. Hour and a half. We are an hour and a half. Um, and we've we've talked longer on these two films than we did on the first three films. Mm-hmm. And we love the first three films. And I think we've I think they've ended it now on on a high. We've been talking about. Well, they've ended it. it it's that's it. It's There's no done. more. We can't we can't be doing it anymore. Don't reboot it. Fucking well, I can't. Because it's, find something else to do and move on. There's only one Indiana Jones. It's Harrison Ford. That's it. Yeah, that's it. There's no. You just can't. I mean, you could even say that the younger Indiana Jones TV series sort of like did what um, Rebels and uh, Clone Wars did for Star Wars. Filled in the gaps a little bit. Give you a yeah, li- and it, little it bit helped. Of it helped with the with the relaunch of the new of the these two films as well, didn't it? The young Indiana Jones Chronicles, because Harrison Ford did appear in one episode, yeah, and that kind yeah. of bounced off into the into the scripts for these as well so yeah i think it's a good end all all around it's got a couple of bits in it which i mean the bit the bit in it we're jumping around again but the bit in italy where they find that cave a little bit too fucking sim a bit easily and things like that where they've been over to italy and yeah. you know but at the end of the day it's a good it was a good fun film to watch i enjoyed it i liked all the cameos that were I in liked it. it yeah thought there's some good performances imdb 6.9 Tomatoes, 69% for the critics, 88% for the audience. And yeah, yeah. I think it's a nice way for an 80 year old man. I think it's a nice way to end his mm. tenure as Indiana Jones. And I know you don't like her voice, but a <laughs> good um, turn from, well, everyone involved, to be fair. Phoebe Waller Bridge, Antonio Banderas, John Rhys Davis, um, Seanette Rennie Wilson, un- fucking underused. Toby Jones, amazing. Mads Mickelson, Mads Mickelson. And all. <laughs> 
all the other cameos I thought were were pointingly played and well uh, done. There's it, yeah. And on that, I think we should end there. We've talked about Spielberg. He's the he's the best. John Williams. He's the best. And there is only one Indiana Jones. And that's Harrison Ford. And with that piece of fried sliced gold, we will end it right there. So if you fancy a bit more diabolical film banter, then like, comment and subscribe. And we promise it'll be shorter in the next time. So we'll catch you next episode. (laughs) Also, if you like us talking bollocks for a long time. (laughs) Clearly we did this time. (laughs) <laughs> maybe even give us a review and if you need to get something off your chest then it's send us a question and we might even answer it on the show you can find us on your friendly neighbourhood podcast app and on all the interwebs just search for the Diabolical Film Show so that leaves it for me to say thanks for listening and catch you later and for me till next time tatty bye bye